Hello there. Welcome to the SPS podcast. In this episode, I'm very excited to do a performance origins deep dive with Dr. Corey Wilkes. If you're a coach or if you've ever thought about becoming a coach, you might want to listen to this one because it's two coaches going backwards and forwards talking about a lot of different things. But this is a great episode, great conversation with Dr. Corey Wilkes. Less than me talking about it and let's get into the titles. Welcome to the SPS podcast, the self-performance strategies podcast, unlocking the secrets to success and unlocking the secrets to self-performance so you can improve mentally, emotionally, and physically. The SPS podcast is brought to you by the Pro Accelerator program, helping business owners and business leaders save at least 10 working hours a week, improve their focus and make more money. If that sounds like something you're interested in, check out the show notes and follow the links. But let's now jump in to this episode. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are in episode 45 of the SPS podcast. And in this episode, we're doing a performance origins deep dive with another creator. We've got Dr. Corey Wilkes on. Uh, I met Corey through Twitter. We've hung out a few times on calls before. Uh, Corey's a a, a psychologist who coaches creators and solopreneurs to reach their potential. Uh, He's got a a lot of really cool opinions uh, about the creator space. Uh, He's got some really great ideas. He's also a fellow Stoic, which uh, I I think we connected over the Memento Mori, and we'll talk about that in in the episode as as we dive into it. Uh, Corey, absolute pleasure, Dr. Corey. An absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Uh, thanks for joining me. How are you, dude? I'm stoked to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited to get into it. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about your performance origins, how you got from where you were to where you are today, and, and we'll just we'll take the conversation in, in many other different directions. Uh, I really resonate with a lot of what you say on 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 Twitter. Uh, I think we've got a lot of overlap with how we see coaching. And, and maybe maybe personal development and life in general. Uh, but to start, the first question I ask all my guests when they come on, you know, what is your personal self-performance philosophy? What is your definition of success? If you want to, if you want to make it a bit wider. So, like you, you kind of talked about in the intro. I am a huge fan of specifically the stoic concept of memento mori, right? And <clears throat> the way I think about success and, and how I define it. And I'll, I'll kind of tell us with, with a, a brief story. So a couple of years ago, I had, I do martial arts, I do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. <clears throat> so bumps, bruises, aches and pains are super common. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I had what I thought was a bruise on my leg after a, a hard night of training. And, you know, being an American, you know, health insurance is a shit show. So <laughs> The, the bruise got worse and worse until the point I was like, well, maybe it's a bone bruise. Oh, maybe it's, it's a hairline fracture. Well, fuck it. I'll just walk it off. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, you know, it's the kind of person I am. Um, but after a couple of days, it got way worse and it, it didn't look like, like a fracture. Went to the hospital and basically they were like, Hey, this is an infection here's some antibiotics. If it gets worse in the next you know, 24 hours, come back. Well, within 24 hours, it had spread from basically my ankle to my knee, like this red 
spider vein looking shit. It looked horrible. Went back to the hospital and they're like, yeah, this is a super bad infection. Um, we are, we're over capacity right now, so we can't transfer you to surgery. You have to wait. And they put me on an IV drip of antibiotics that I was unresponsive to. I sat there in that waiting room for, or in that hospital room for like 16 hours waiting to get transferred to surgery. All the while they said, look, we're waiting for the test to come back. But if this infection has gotten into your bloodstream or your bones, you could die. Like oh, wow. full stop, you could fucking die. <clears throat> so, you know, I thought I understood the stoic concept of memento mori. <laughs> and then I was like actually looking at my mortality. <laughs> Like in my thirties, I was like, fuck me. Okay. So they finally transferred me to the hot, to, to surgery and I, and they pull me off of the antibiotics. So I have nothing in my, you know, no, no medication at this point. Cause they're like, look, you're not responding to anything. We have to wait for the, the, you know, the surgeons to come in in the morning. You're just going to sit here in this room, this hospital waiting room until the morning. <clears throat> Still test results hadn't come back. We had no idea how bad it was. And I remember like sitting in that bed by myself because it was after visitor hours. So like it was just me thinking this could have been like I could die tonight or tomorrow. Wow. What if this had been my last week alive? Am I satisfied with how I spent my time? And to me, obviously I lived right. Spoiler alert. I'm fucking here. But to wow. me, that is a <laughs> right. To, to me, that is a much more powerful thought exercise than than saying, "Well, what if I had a week to live? What if I had a month to live?" Because if you know it's going to happen, you can plan it out. You can party it up. You can spend a bunch of money, go skydiving, do all this, you know, random shit, vacation, whatever. It is much more powerful if you say, "What if I've already lived my last seven days?" Because then you can only look back in retrospect right? You can't change anything. All you can do is reflect. And to me, ever since then, I do that every single week. Because as, as soon as you ask yourself that question, you can immediately pinpoint all the bullshit you allowed into your life. All the things you wanted to do that you let fear stand in your way of. All the things you took for granted. All the, you know, you, you, you didn't call your parents because you're like, oh, I'll call them next week. Or you, you didn't travel. You didn't talk to friends. You didn't start that new thing you've always wanted to do, right? We allow so much bullshit into our lives. We let so much fear and limiting beliefs and self-sabotaging behaviors and dumb shit to quote you yeah. stand in <laughs> our way. <clears throat> so to me, success means getting to my deathbed and looking back on my life without regret. So everything I do revolves around maximizing that possibility. And I do that on, on a, a smaller basis of every week. I look back and I say, if this had been my last week alive, am I satisfied with how I spent my time? I, I absolutely love that. And I am going to add that question to my weekly question list. I have, I have eight, nine questions that I ask myself weekly. And one of them is like, what was the biggest struggle uh, I faced? And I, I follow up with that with, um, you know, if I was advising myself, giving myself that perspective, again, a stoic, um, uh, you know, uh, idea uh, or perspective. And then the next question I ask is if I don't take action this week, how is that going to make me feel? So I, I do, I do the, the forward loss aversion where you're doing the reverse loss aversion. So I'm going to add that in as my fourth question. I'm going to ask myself, if I don't take action, what's going to happen? And I'm going to follow up. Am I happy with my last seven days of action? Good. So Happy I, to you, help, man. You, you're, you in, in the moment live changing my weekly <laughs> review, 
because uh, I wrote that down. I'm like, that's because your story, everything else, powerful. And I'm like, that's a, that's a really, that's a really, uh, really, really good perspective shift. And I, and I, I, I do enjoy a good perspective um, shift. So uh, I really, that's a great, big start. Swinging, 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 swinging for the fences uh, <laughs> with, with, with the start. So we'll roll into that. That's really good, man. And so, you know, as this is the performance origins and, and where you are today, and I know you just talked about, you know, the playing with the idea of possibly dying, but you're, you're a doctor, you're, you're, you're a psychologist, you've been on a journey. Where, where did that go? How, how did you end up where you are today? What was the, what was the, you know, what was the barrier that got you, that took you down that route, that took you down that, that vocation, that, that got you to where you are? And then, you know, how did, they, how did you then turn into a successful creator who, who, who's been in and around like, large communities and, and, and coached, uh, as far as I'm aware, probably the, 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 I don't know if it's okay me saying, it's probably the biggest productivity YouTuber. Um, out oh, Ali's talked about it. Yeah, Ali Abdal. Yeah, oh, yeah Ali Abdal. Yeah, you, you, yeah. coach, you coach one of the biggest productivity youtubers out there in, in uh on the space uh you know a very smart dude that 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 that, that, that. so what, I, let's unpack i want to unpack that with you uh, today <laughs> the origins how, how did how did it go so let's go back five or ten years you know what what, what what was what was what was uh what was mr cory wilkes doing before he became dr cory wilkes yeah very good <laughs> question so <clears throat> i grew up so i'll start with this <clears throat> i grew up in rural Appalachia, like poor as fuck, food stamps, public housing. Um, I remember one year we even got like a church donation of like, like for Thanksgiving, like turkeys and shit. And I remember like, there's this quote by like Oprah. She was talking about how, like when she was young, they were po, they were so poor. They couldn't afford the R. And like, <laughs> I remember specifically when we got that church donation of being like, fuck, we like, we're, we're po we're like, yeah. that's how little money we have. Um, and you know, it, my parents both had issues that were beyond their control that kind of created those life circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I had a great upbringing, right? Like I love my parents. They did a lot for me. Um, but I grew up super poor and in, in, in my area, it's, it, it, most people kind of stay poor a lot. Um, and I remember my dad, he said, look, son, whatever you do as you grow up, use your brain, not your body. Because <clears throat> a lot of manual labor, you know, yeah. in my area, Smart. there's also a lot of addiction in my area because a lot of people did manual labor jobs. They got hurt. They got hooked on pain pills because they were prescribed. That whole like opioid epidemic yeah. thing, like that's where I'm from. Um, so it was like, use your brain, not your body. So I really leaned into that growing up. I, I was a very cerebral kid, always, you know, thinking about things. And when I got to, when I went to college, like that was like, oh, this is my ticket out of poverty. Like I'm going to educate myself out of poverty. And I was kind of undecided. I bounced around a lot uh, with different majors. And then one of, I had a, like a required psychology class. It was psychology of either adult or child development, some developmental class. And it was like, oh, you know, with Dr. Hinton, I'm expecting this like old ass white dude where every time he, he talks like chalk poofs out of his fucking armpits or something <laughs> and in walked this young black dude from Memphis and his name's Dr. Keelan Hinton to this day, one of the best motherfuckers I know. And the reason I went into psychology, so I always shout him out if I can. Um, Keelan came in 
covered in tattoos. He talked like he was from Memphis, like he talked like a real motherfucker. He didn't speak professorially. He was just a real motherfucker. And the passion he had for psychology and the way he described psychology and how psychology fundamentally is about solving the human puzzle, right? Like helping people unwind and, and, and be more intentional with how they think and behave. Like that is all psychology is. It's just about thoughts and behaviors. Um, and you know, psychology is rooted in, in philosophies like stoicism, yeah. very practical can be anyway. So God, I, I changed my major psychology that day because I loved it that much. Um, so got the bachelor's, got the master's, got the doctorate. And I specifically focused on I, my doctorate in clinical psychology. So I did therapy for a long time. And I specifically worked in integrated primary care, meaning I worked alongside physicians. When you would go to the doctor, they would also have you see me for anxiety, depression, addiction, whatever. And I specialized in addiction treatment. Wow. So once I get my doctor, I'm like, cool, I got job security because I was working for what's called an FQHC, a federally qualified healthcare center. It just means a place that caters to people who are underinsured, poor, that kind of thing. So I am a doctoral level psychologist working in an area rampant with addiction, tons of poverty, and the place I work for specializes in treating poor people with addiction. I am a specialist in addiction treatment. There aren't a lot of psychologists. I'm not now. I wouldn't call myself that now, but at the time I was a specialist in addiction treatment. So and in an area with very few psychologists, let alone addiction specialists. I say that to say I had the highest level of job security you could reasonably get. Okay. There's a point to this. In 2020, I ended up moving um, to a different state um, because my girlfriend, she was getting her PhD. So we moved. I negotiated a remote telehealth position with that, uh, that employer. So, People didn't have to to drive to the clinic. They could just roll out of bed or even just stay in bed and do therapy with me. It was great. Two months into that new contract, I got an email from my boss who said, hey, you're fired. You have 30 days notice. So again, supreme job security. And I was like, what the fuck happened? They were like, nothing. You're a great employee. Everybody loves you. Your numbers are great. You get great results. But we're moving away from remote telehealth because you no longer live here, we can't pull you back into the clinic. So the way psychology licensure works in the US, I can be anywhere in the world, but you as my patient have to physically be in the state I'm licensed in during that call. You don't have to be a resident, you have to just have your two feet on that piece of fucking dirt, right? Yeah. So I'm licensed in the state of West Virginia, and I was living in Kentucky. I could not find another remote job out of West Virginia. I wasn't willing to move back because we had just moved to Kentucky. And in order for me to get licensed in Kentucky would have taken four to six months just because of how backward the licensure process is. So I was like, I've spent 12 years of my fucking life optimizing for this and I can no longer do that job. (laughs) So that's a curveball, right? And like 30 days notice, like I wasn't planning on this. I didn't have a fucking side hustle. I didn't like, it was, it was completely blindsided. Right. Um, and, and zero way to get another job really. 
So at that point I had, you know, an identity crisis of who the fuck am I? What have I done with my life? But then I realized I had, I was burnt out at that point anyway. There were a lot of things I wanted to do, but I had so many limiting beliefs about my ability to do them. So I took the month of December, 2020, because December 4th, 2020 was my last day as an employee. And I just, I, I learned as much as I could. Like I just, I took that month. I'm like, I'm going to figure shit out. So I ended up, um, becoming certified as an executive coach because I had a lot of like, like stigma around life coaching because there's zero qualification to be a life coach. Um, but I read this article by the American psychological association. Cause like all, all the grad school, like we would talk mad shit about life coaches, right? Cause well, we're psychologists, we're better than everybody. We're, you know, elitist and shit. But this article was like, yeah, coaching is unregulated. Like it's a fucking wild west right now. It is. But that means if you have a solid foundation in mental health or just human psychology, you can join this, this, the coaching discipline and improve the quality. I was like, oh, that makes tons of sense. Yeah. So I, the guy, one of the guys that was quoted in it, Dr. Jeffrey Arbach, he runs the College of Executive Coaching. I went through that, loved it. And the, the, the main thing that the, the coaching training did, because again, I had a doctorate, I knew most of the shit. Um, the main thing it helped me do was make the mental shift from a pathology model to a wellness model. Because mm. clinical psychology, clinical psychology defines wellness as the absence of illness. But just because you're not sick doesn't mean you're healthy, right? Yeah. My job as a therapist was not to, to help you be happy or be fulfilled or whatever. It was to help you become subclinical, to make it to where you no longer warranted a diagnosis of major depressive disorder, single episode mild. And then insurance would drop you because they're like, hey, they're good. They don't need therapy. Coaching allowed me to take, because therapy is largely about taking somebody from dysfunction to functioning. Yeah. Coaching largely is about taking somebody who already functions pretty well and helping them flourish, thrive, optimize, whatever you want to do, right? Yeah. So that allowed me to really lean into a lot of the strengths I had cultivated, but I wasn't allowed to capitalize on. Yes. Right. I knew all kinds of shit, but I literally wasn't allowed to do it as a therapist. Right. So that it, it, it helped me change my mindset. I also learned a fuck ton about like business. Cause again, I grew up poor. I didn't know entrepreneurs. I didn't know how to start an LLC or, or how to do copywriting or set up a landing page or develop a, a website. Like I didn't know any of that shit. I taught myself all of it. And, and yeah. there are some people like, you know, a lot of the people you and I know helped a lot. Like, you know, shout out Dan Coe all day, yeah, every day. Like Dan was instrumental to me days. specifically. Yeah. Early yeah. on, like Dan was fucking yeah. great. Love Dan. Great dude. Definitely follow his shit if you don't already. Yeah. Um, but th that was it. Like I literally, like I started professional Twitter, started meeting a bunch of kick-ass fucking people and learning from other entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, creators, yeah, writers. Sure. We, we met because of Dan Coe. Yeah. Like yeah. it's dude, it's so much shit. Right. And like, yeah. that's, that's what I'm saying. Cause like I, I came from poverty and, and you know, I, I tried to educate myself out of it. And then I got blindsided by when I thought I had supreme job security, but it turned out to be one of the best things that ever happened to me yeah. because that, that forced me to face the reality that I was unsatisfied with the life I had built and the future that I, the, the path I was on at that point. Yeah. Right. Cause like one of the guys I worked with, he was a physician motherfucker made 500 K and hated his fucking life. life. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, and it was just like, obviously like as a psychologist, I was never going to hit 500 K. I wasn't going to go make, you know, maybe a fifth of that as a, as a psych, as just like a therapist. But yeah. that was the, the environment that I was in of like, are you really trying to do this for 40 years so that you can enjoy the weekends and then retire at 65 and then maybe enjoy the last 15 years of your life? Like that was a path I was on mm -hmm. and I was supremely burnt out, supremely unsatisfied. So getting fired was one of the best things that happened to me, even though I didn't feel like it at the time, because the, the like, no shit, what I, the life I used to daydream about having is my day-to-day -day reality now. Love like it. I get to sit in my fucking pajamas and write, <laughs> hang out with kick-ass people like you, like motherfucker. I'm in pajamas right now. Like I got like a, a, a an okay shirt on, but like I'm in pajama pants right now, right? <laughs> like that's my life. I get to write. I get to create courses. I get to coach cool people. I get to share my ideas. I get to use my brain, not my body, as my yeah. dad said. That is my day-to-day -day life now, and it wouldn't have been had I not been fired. Maybe I would have slowly done the side hustle Fine, thing, yeah. and maybe it maybe, but who knows. Yeah, I, so many things to unpack, and that's a, a such a great story. I love I love your dad's wisdom because you brought that back. You, you, you sort of call back to that. Use your brain, not your body. That's that's a yeah. It's a it's a really good piece of advice. Uh, but the 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 getting fired, the thirty days, just having that having that reality shoved in your face. And I think you know while we're very different stories, we have similar kind of experiences. I I didn't get fired from corporate. But I, I could feel the pressure of corporate. I, I had a fear of, of, I don't want to wake up in my 50s and be like, oh, I've got 765 days left until I'm retired. Or whatever they say when they're in their late 50s or early 60s. I didn't want to count down my life to start to go play golf, to, you know, whatever that is. I, I, I want to have a life where I can play golf now on a Tuesday morning. I, I love that because I felt that pressure. That's why one of the reasons I left corporate. Um, it's just that I... I I think I waited too long. I had that sense I could do more, but where you got that shoved in your face, I think it took me a few years of being chipped away. I had the idea, I was getting paid six figures, COVID hit, and I ended up following that dream. So, good story. But the one thing I do want to go back to on that, I'm just relating to my own journey, but the one thing I want to talk about is the, the difference between therapy and coaching. You talked about this idea of Therapy is bringing somebody to a level where they can function again, but yet coaching is taking somebody to uh, to the next level. I, I've come across that in my own opinion, but I'm hearing it from an actual psychologist and therapist. I'm like, wow, because that's why I want to. Oh, I just want to quickly go back to that. And you, you, you said you were handcuffed. How frustrating was that for you to have this sort of like bigger mindset and you could see the potential in somebody, but literally the medical system is saying you know you, you actually can't talk to somebody in that way yeah so <clears throat> it's a great question the caveat with this right is for the american for like american healthcare, like an insurance right if you are in a more affluent area and you can pay out of pocket for private practice kind of therapy mm -hmm. then they have a lot more leeway maybe they can help you do more but that is a rarity yeah. because at that point you're 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 not really doing therapy at that point. They're actually probably more so doing coaching without realizing they're coaching yeah. because therapy by definition is about addressing what's called psychopathology, which is just mental illness. That's just what we call it. We call it psychopathology. Um, so from where I worked under insurance, if your insurance didn't cover the treatment and you couldn't afford to pay out of pocket for just, you know, whatever, you had to quit seeing me, 
right? And that was a really frustrating thing because, I mean, one, you know, I, from where I specialize in addiction treatment, the majority of people I worked with were struggling with addiction. And that's one of those things where, like, you definitely need to have that shit under control before you can really do anything else. Yeah. But even with other people I would work with, um, they, like, you know, I remember some of the people, some of my favorite people to work with, we worked, you know, six months or a year to the point where they were no longer depressed or they no longer had anxiety that was debilitating. And they were, th they were right at that threshold of finally building the life that they wanted to build. But at that moment, it was like, see ya, can't yeah. help anymore, right? And like, I remember watching people like helping them reconstruct their identity to become the person they always wanted to be or like, you know, people who, they were in a shitty marriage for 15 years. And then, you know, since they were like 16 or 18, finally came out of it. And they were like, who the fuck am I? I don't know who yeah. I am. I've always been the wife. I've always been the this and that. Yeah. And we worked through all that. And then they're like, I finally know who I am, know who I want to be. And I'm ready to become that person. And then it's just like, well, we got to terminate therapy because I can't figure out a diagnosis to slap on you. So... Yeah, you're fixed. Good luck. Yeah. yeah, it was so fucking frustrating, man. Like it, yeah. it was, it was so bad. But, but the thing is, is like, I at least knew enough because I was like, I always wanted to be a writer. I just never th thought I, I would be able to be one, really. So, like, I remember, like, I would look up, like, I would study a little bit of writing. I would, I would follow entrepreneurs online and shit. So, like, I knew that there was more out there versus a lot of my colleagues who they were like, this is all I'm ever going to do. This is all I, and some of them, they love doing it. Others don't love doing it. They just, they're, they're so, it's a strong word, but they're so indoctrinated to that path that they can't see another way out. Yeah. They're fish in water. Yeah. And I've even had a couple people like, cause most of the people that like I went to school with, or I used to work with, we don't talk anymore, largely because and, and you'll get this because <clears throat> I told my girlfriend about this the other day. Talking shop, in air quotes, talking shop yeah. with, like in, in academia, with, with, with professors and things, so I used to teach, revolves around talking, just bitching about bureaucracy. Talking yeah. shop in therapy is mostly just bitching about insurance. So all the people that I used to hang out with, you know, colleagues and shit, all we would do, like our relationship was predicated on bitching about insurance and all the headaches of therapy. Yeah. Entrepreneurship, talking shop in entrepreneurship so is right. energizing as fuck. Yeah. Cause it's like, oh, have you tried this? Oh, this is what's working for me. Like, oh, what's your idea? Like, oh, what's your plan for that? Like, it's yeah. so collaborative. It's so fucking like, dude, it's so, it's so positive and uplifting. It's yeah. totally fucking different. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure like with, with corporate shit, I'm sure it was a similar thing of like, it's just bitching. <laughs> I worked in, I, I, when I worked in sales, it was bitching about lack of clients or bitching about other salespeople or bitching about the, the, you know, the commission amounts. Or when I worked in an insurance, it was again, bureaucracy it was bitching about what we had to do. It was, it was just complaining. It's like, uh, I remember going to barbecues and events and everybody who worked would be in one room talking shop. And then everybody who didn't, the wives or people who didn't, work in that organization or in the other room and it'd be like we were taught they, they were all talking english and we were in the other room talking japanese or something because it's just like people don't understand because we're using all the short terms and all the acronyms and all the all the corporate bs uh and i i i hated that shit uh yeah, yeah it's, exactly it's so it's so negative it just keeps you trapped in this sort of um the old uh, crab trying to escape the bucket no 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 exactly no, no. come on back, just come back come back come back get, get back in the well, bucket 
Yeah. And another thing that I realized though, is, you know, I, I'm a huge proponent of, I want my existence to inspire other people to embrace their own authenticity, right? Like I want to embrace my own authenticity and, 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 and live that so much that it gives other people permission to embrace their own. Right. Mm -hmm. So I am not, I'm not saying like, you got to accept me for all my flaws. Like none of that kind of toxic narrative bullshit, but like, yeah. cause I, I'm obviously trying to be better every day, but I, I try very hard to accept who the fuck I am yeah. and be comfortable with that. Right. Rather than try to play status games or, or be who I think people want me yes. to be, you know, conformist shit. So I've learned the more I do that, now, occasionally I'll get like a former colleague or a former professor or somebody else, they'll reach out and be like, Hey, I love what you're doing. I've been thinking about doing something similar. I've been thinking about leaving therapy. I've been thinking about leaving academia, but I don't know how. Yeah. Right. And I'm seeing like a mass exodus specifically f around therapists wanting to go into coaching or, or doing something else because of all the bullshit. Yeah. I'm seeing a yeah. lot of people in general moving toward coaching. Yeah. I mean, I got, you know, relate to my stories. I, my, my, you know, you, you came up through coaching through the being a therapist and, and sort of that, that angle I came up through leadership. Uh, I, I loved leadership. And when I was in my early 20s, and I was like, well, how do you make money? Well, you become a leader, and then you become a regional manager, and you climb the corporate ladder. So I, I had, an, uh, had a, an affinity with leadership. But part of leadership is actually getting the most out of your team. And getting you know, most out of your team means you actually have to be able to explain why they're doing something and understand your, 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 your team members and actually make them feel comfortable and give them the tools, the skills, knowledge and abilities for them to actually take action. And the more that I led people, the better the results I got. It, it kind of leaned back to because my team knew exactly what they had to do, and I removed barriers for them mentally, emotionally, physically within within work for them to actually get the shit done, so to speak. So I I, I used to, my I had a different kind of aspect. People like I started my team, the team that I had in sales. Some of them started calling me coach. This is back in 2014, 15, and I, that's what the idea was. That, well, this is a good idea. And then when I went into corporate and then I was doing the whole leadership thing, I loved running projects, getting a small team of people and going towards something. But then you always had the 25 year or the 20 year plus person who was anti everything. And then you had the other managers who didn't like this sort of like pirate crew that I was running or the sort of we're trying to disrupt things or whatever that is. And it's all this negativity. It's all this like corporate bureaucracy bullshit that you had to then deal with this like negativity all the time. And I just got to the point where I, I felt myself changing in those environments to like fit in that. So that it, and it was bullshit. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I left because when you're coaching somebody, when someone hires me and someone hires you, or you're working with somebody within your programs, they're there because they want to be changed. There is no, like, oh, we've done this before this way. So we're not going to do it. You don't get that when you're coaching somebody. But when you're in corporate and you're trying to coach a lot of people, you get a certain percentage of people that just want to bring everything down, that want to stop everything. Uh, and that's the bullshit that I was faced with. And again, one of the reasons why I left is because I was bored of the 20, 30, 40% of people who just fought everything. Uh, it was it was frustrating. That and yeah, because like, I remember like, I, I won't go into like all the details, but like, I remember like when I had my therapy job, there's like this one super cumbersome workflow that we were told we had to do. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it, it took a fuck ton of time. It didn't actually help. Like we, it was basically like there's an automation that we had to undo because it, it would have sent out letters to everybody and, yeah. and we didn't want that. 
And everybody was like, yeah, just, we have to like go through and like take an extra, like however many you know minutes to like undo this automation to cancel it. I'm like, can we just like remove the automation? They're like, no, it, it, you know, we can't do that. So I just emailed the tech support base. I was like, can you all just remove this automation? They're like, oh yeah, done. Took 30 seconds. And yeah. like, and everybody was like, we never thought of that. You never thought to, to question the fucking status quo and be like, hey, this shit yes. doesn't work. Let's yes. change it. Like, dude, nobody fucking thought that way. And I was yeah. like, I am not one of you. And I don't want to be one of I, you. Right? I, <laughs> yes. No, but yes. Yeah, I'm like, yes. That, that's exactly the same. It was like this. I, I felt like towards the end of my corporate career that I was Syphysis pushing this rock up a hill. Because yep. I, I kept asking, is there a better way? Why are we doing this? Why is that? And this curiosity or, or this sort of like, I, I, I describe myself as tactically lazy because I don't want to have five meetings about this fucking process. I want to have one. So I want to make sure there's an agenda. I want to make sure everybody's in the meeting. I want to make sure it's not a waste of time because I don't want to be back here again next Tuesday. Um, and that kind of like pushback, actually, I got a lot of pushback back on me because I was pushing back on the norm. Uh, and I felt like I was, uh, and maybe I was a bit grumpy and I can get a bit arrogant, you know, sorry. Um, but I, I, I felt that sort of pressure of just like, you know, lessons learned. Well, why don't we start with the lessons learned when we start with a new project? And no one ever seems to do that. And I'm like, why the fuck are we doing this? It's like, it's repeating the same stuff where we're never again getting uh, the same results sort of. So I, I totally empathize or, or resonate or, feel that, that it's just it, it you're right i felt different and i think that's when i realized i am not maybe i am an entrepreneur and, and well that, that, that's a big question to ask yourself yes and and i think that a related thing to that is i think the reason people act that way is a salary Right. Like yes. I remember, like in my job, like for, for our industry, we all had the highest salaries in the area. I had negotiated. I was the third highest paid psychologist in, in, in at my job. The only two people who got paid more than me were the two directors. And the only reason I didn't get paid, get paid more is because they fucking sucked at negotiating. Otherwise, I'd have been making more like but like literally like the CEO, the CEO was like, I can't pay you more than your bosses. So this is what we're paying. And I was like, motherfucker. But we were all salary like, dude, like. No lie. We had the exact same meeting almost verbatim three months in a row because yeah. it was like, we're paid to have this meeting. We don't have to get shit done. We can talk about the same thing over and over again. I was like, but we could solve this and move the fuck on. They're like, no, we, our whole morning, like from eight to noon, we're free for this meeting. And if we, if we end too soon, then they won't give us more time for a meeting next time. So we have to take the full four hours. And I was like, no. And like, that's what I think a lot of people who move to entrepreneurship realize is like, I don't want to have to work 40 hours just to, 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 you know, run out the clock. If I work 40 hours, if I work 60 or 80 hours, it's because I'm doing something I fucking love that is making a difference. And I'm moving the needle every second I'm doing something. Yes. Right, like, and not like not like hustle culture shit, but like actually, like the shit you're doing matters. You're not yeah. just there killing time. You're not just there. Well, I get paid the same regardless, right? That was the other thing I realized was like, no matter how good I am at therapy, no matter how much I help people, no matter how many people I see, largely I get paid the same as a motherfucker reading out of literally reading out of a fucking manual next door, yeah. who doesn't know anything 
about what the fuck they're doing. Like yeah. me and that motherfucker get paid the same or almost the same. Absolutely not. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, I, I, yeah. And, 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 and one of the takeaways I, I, I want to highlight for, for anybody listening who either is a coach or specifically you're thinking about becoming a coach because coaching is a really easy, just entry point into entrepreneurship. I think, um, the, the, that nobody starts from zero. A lot of people who, cause I get these questions a lot and this why create a course around it, but like a lot of people are in, interested in coaching or at least learning how to coach. Cause some people want to do like internal coaching, like for their company, yeah. other people want to, to start their own company, their own coaching thing or as a side hustle, whatever. But a lot of people think that they don't have any pre-existing skills to bring to the table. Okay. I didn't know how to coach, but I had a therapy background. Meaning I had a background in understanding and, and changing human behavior, yeah. right? Granted it, it was from a therapy perspective, but I wasn't starting at zero cause I understood human psychology. Yeah. I just had to apply my preexisting skills, adapt them to this new thing. You came from a corporate background. You came from a sales background, from a leadership background, right? You weren't starting at zero either. No. Right. It was all about translating these skills, seeing which of the things you had already cultivated would apply to this new endeavor. So whatever the, like if you're thinking about doing coaching, whatever the fuck kind realize no matter what you are not starting at zero. There is something from your previous life jobs, personal life experiences, your own philosophy, right? Cause I pull a lot from stoicism, for example, yeah. like, you, you, you're not starting from zero. There's plenty of shit already that you can pull from right out the gate as you start coaching. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that. I mean, I, my whole, my coaching model is, is, or my, my, me as a coach comes from like a number of different pillars. You know, obviously I've got my corporate project management kind of pillar. You know, I, I think of things in like 90 day sprints and I got all that from corporate thinking about like little mini stretches and, and mini sprints, sorry, or mini programs and things I was on my leadership background got me into coaching and I'm like, well, how do I, you know, quote unquote, manipulate my team <laughs> to get the right results in a sense. Uh, I'm a manipulate might be the, the, the wrong word, but I was very results driven uh, early on in my uh, career. It was like, well, I want to get promoted. I want to get more commission. So it's results driven, but how do you make those results easy? You make it easy for people to get those results. And then I think where my, where my final pillar comes from is the fact that I did a lot of dumb shit in my life. Uh, I, I partied hard from like 18, 19 to 20, 29. I, I took, name it, I probably had it in a club listening to techno, reaching for the lasers. Uh, but I, I, I don't do that anymore. But like the self-leadership, the self-discipline, the emotional journey, the, the spiritual work, the inner work, I had to do all of that myself. Learn, read all the books, do all the meditating. But the funny thing is, when you combine that skill stack, it's a pretty fucking good skill skill stack for helping solopreneurs and business owners get shit done and get, do less dumb shit, and that's what I do. So it's like I I I'm a coach because of my previous fifteen years, not because I woke up two years ago and decided to be a coach. No, exactly. I'm, I'm, am I a better coach over the last two years from coaching twenty plus odd people one on one? Yes, hundred percent. I am because I'm learning. But I didn't wake up two years ago and be like, hell. I'll just decide being a coach. It, it, you know, I, I, <laughs> this is not how it happens. <laughs> exactly. And like, even like, you know, I said, I, I, I did therapy, underserved area, you know, also the shit. 
I did like brief therapy, meaning I did therapy for like a half hour versus like an hour. Sometimes people do. Cause again, I worked in healthcare. What that meant was I was working with people who didn't have access to, to much at all. So I couldn't say, Oh, you have anxiety here Buy this fancy fucking gadget or go on a vacation or whatever the fuck bullshit. Right. These motherfuckers didn't have money a lot of times. So what I did, I got really good at being super concise, finding the most effective strategy that would work for somebody regardless of their financial means. Mm-hmm. Right? Cause shit that works for rich people doesn't work for poor people, but yeah. shit that works for poor people does work for, for rich, rich people. people yeah. Right? Right? <laughs> like to, to, to oversimplify it. Right? Yeah. So I got really good at that. I got really good at what's called motivational interviewing, which basically just means finding the leverage point yeah. that gets somebody to take action, action to, yeah. to jump off what's called the fence of ambivalence. Ambivalence is basically when you know you need to take action, but for whatever the fuck reason, you haven't yet. Motivational interviewing, which is a, a, a pillar coaching slash therapy skill, is just about helping people get off that fence and actually take action, right? So I got really good at that because I consistently work with people who didn't have a goddamn thing, wanted to make changes, but didn't know how or, or just you know weren't willing to yet. That was really what I specialized in, in helping people do that. So then when I start coaching people, people are like, holy shit, man, how have I, like, you're like to toot my own horn for a second. They're like, damn, you're really good because we get so much shit done in one session or in one month's worth of coaching. And I'm like, yes, because I spent 15 fucking years, 12, 15 fucking years specializing in learning how to fucking do this yeah. with a different population. But again, that foundational skill set is the same. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I love that. I love that so much because yeah, it, it's it's um, I actually I get all my client one on one clients when they come in, I get them to do seven exercises before the first call that we have. So it's not like we just jump on a call and we're, we're talking bullshit. But those seven exercises are literally the I've had I've had clients who hey, I'm working with you for six months. I'm like, cool. I've unblocked their main issue before they even get on the first fucking call. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's or, awesome. Or have highlighted it. And then I go deep with it for a couple of sessions and then I'm able to go on to different things. But it, it, it's not like I just pulled those seven exercises out of my ass. It's because those seven exercises, a bit like you, you, you were put into a situation. I was put into situations in my personal life or with, 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 um, teams. Well, how do I get buy-in early on? How do I get buy-in from year, from the start? Uh, and that's where I, I, I come up things is because it, it, you can't, Unless the, unless the person has personal buy-in, especially when I come from corporate and, and I have to go back to that 20, 30, 40% who are anchored, if I can't get them bought in, they're just going to be a problem from the start. So how do I actually get those people involved early on? And, and that's where I come at things. I, I, I always look at things where like, you know, and I, I don't, um, this, uh, this idea that when I'm going to do something, I don't think about if I'm talking to the early adopter or I'm talking to the innovator, I, I don't frame the conversation. I, I then think about if I'm talking to the person that's probably going to say no, if I mention it to the idea, how do I then mention it in a way that, that person is thinking maybe yes? Because if I can get that person to think maybe yes, these people over here on the other side of the scale who are already yeses are going to be like yeses anyway, but they're going to be more of a yes, if that makes sense. And the maybes might be a yes, where the no might be a maybe. You know, I'm trying to shift that across. So that's where I think sometimes when it comes to my coaching or exercises or when I'm trying to come up with a new idea, I'm like, okay, if I'm like a stubborn bitch ass motherfucker who doesn't want to do anything, how can I create something 
you know, how do I approach that person with this idea? So they, they get it. And I think it's a, it leads to me to be more simple, more direct, uh, uh, and, and make people connect with the, with the exercises. Uh, so I, I, I think we've, again, kind of got similar experiences, but coming from completely different, different um, fields. Well, that and like, it's all about the, the uh, giving it the right context and framing, yeah. right? I always assume because like, I'm a skeptical motherfucker. So I because you know, th there's a lot of bullshit out there. Yeah. There's just this right. And like, so I assume whoever I'm talking to, whether that is going to be a client or my ideal reader when I'm coming up with with an article or a video or something, I assume they're going to be skeptical too. So how do I differentiate this or frame it in a way that bypasses that skepticism because you know, and, and, and separates it from all the woo woo bullshit. Right. Cause like I was talking about this the other day, like with the creator economy, like I, I am primarily now I focus on creators and solopreneurs, which a lot of solopreneurs are also creators. So it's a thing, but in the creator economy space, there's a lot of bullshit. There's a lot of like this fucking circle jerk shit of I'm a writer who specializes in helping writers write. <laughs> I, I'm a YouTuber that teaches you how to grow a YouTube channel. Yeah, I'm a okay. But have you, that... <laughs> I'm a Twitter growth specialist who teaches you how to grow your Twitter. Yeah. Like I'm a ghostwriter. You got three followers. Okay. Maybe yeah. calm down. Yeah. Like it's, it's that right. And uh, you know, some of those people are legit cool, but there's a lot of people who aren't. Yeah. I am in the creator economy space. I, I'm a creator who helps creators reach their potential. How do I make sure that isn't a fucking circle jerk or a grift? Yeah. Or like, how do I make sure that I, I never get associated with those motherfuckers? Cause I'm not those motherfuckers. Right. Yeah. And like, that's, that's all, all, all part of, of this, right. Is, is being aware of that. So we need, so I assume somebody's going to be skeptical. I'm assuming a motherfucker's gonna be like, Oh, Corey's talking about reaching your potential. Like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, nah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's like, I got to make sure, you know, right off the fucking bat that I'm a no bullshit motherfucker. So whatever yeah. the fuck I'm telling you, I deeply fucking believe yeah. and you can believe that it's trustworthy. How yeah. do I do that? Right. That is how I approach every fucking piece of content I put out. <laughs> and, and that goes back. I, I, I have very similar thoughts because there's not an exercise that I teach a client that I don't use myself or I haven't used in my past and got results from it and then move past it as a person. But everything that I, I use, I'm like, I've gone through it myself. I have used this or I still use it. Like I even co I have a coaching 90 day sprint program that I give to my clients. I use it every 90 days myself because it's 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 good works uh but yeah so it it, it, it i 100 same i i'm one of those people it's like the the, the old like you're a you're a fitness coach but you're out of, you're overweight you're you're a, you're a ghost you're a ghost writer but you have no social media following uh you're a performance coach but your performance sucks like i i i i'm a performance coach in a sense i help entrepreneurs solopreneurs do less dumb shit make more money you know primarily i go after time because i think that's the big lever if you have more free time you have uh, more opportunity to expand your freedom of money, freedom of relationship, freedom of purpose. But it all starts with time. If you don't have time, you can't, if your time's already taken up lots of bullshit, you can't make more money. You can't have more freedom of relationship. You can't mm -hmm. do the things you want to do unless you sort your fucking time out. So that's my big domino. I go back to self-performance, improve your self-performance, improve your freedom of time. Then we go after everything else. Well, that's um, memento mori, man. You get a finite amount of fucking time. time. Then you yep. die. Then you die. Exactly. So I, that, that, that's, that's where I go with that. But in my own life, uh, that question that you said at the start of the podcast about, am I happy with the last seven days? I felt that because I was like, am I? Am I I'm not 100% happy with my last seven days. 
All right, no, I speaking to you. I, when I used to that question, I went through my head and oh fuck, I'm not happy. So it's I, a hard I, question to ask, man. Question. It's a hard question <laughs> to ask, and I was like, damn, because I'm, I'm I'm like that. That needs to be. I don't. I can't feel like that. But I put a lot of pressure on myself to actually get up at five between five and six to meditate, to go out for our walks, to do my journaling, to produce content, to actually be fit and healthy, to, to maintain a decent weight, to go to exercise classes, to play soccer. I do all these things to get out in nature, to do all that stuff because peak results come from peak rest. Uh, and you need that peak rest, you need the peak discipline, the peak structure to actually create the, the, the exciting things in life. So I, 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 I like to see myself, you know, to go to your point, as a living embodiment, embodiment of what I coach. Um, and a part of that, at a certain point, I want to help people directly. The thing, because you've started off with the coaching thing, I want to, to, you're helping people become coaches. I want to show people maybe how to like scale a business at some point. But I'm not there as a coach yet to do that because I'm still scaling my business, but I would never dare coach somebody on how to scale a business until I have successfully scaled a bit my own business to a level that I think is sufficient, if that makes sense. Exactly. But when it comes to self-performance, done that, got that, being six-figure roles, already got a six-figure coaching business. You know, I've done all the, I've done the self-performance stuff, got that wrapped up, and I'm living, I'm living embodiment of that, so I coach that. Obviously, there's room for improvement, Uh, always. Um, But yeah, no, I, I really, I really connect with that, and you know, I think I've only ever asked you one question and we've been talking for 40 minutes, maybe two questions. Gonna, well, when gonna, two coaches, when two, two coaches talk coaches. to each other, it's, it's a good conversation. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, very illuminating. I've, got, I've already got some gold out of it uh, on my notes uh, for myself, selfishly. It's one of the reasons why I have a podcast. If anybody listens to this, I, I like talking to people. Everybody who's been on my podcast, I'm like, I want a conversation with that person. Uh, and that's, that's one of the primary reasons why I invite them on. But... Uh, the question I want to go now, if I could give you a realistic but magic wand right now, where would you like to take your current business? I know you've got a creator course. You're already coaching people. Uh, you, you've got a lot going on. What, what, what's the future for, for Corey and his, as a creator, as a, as, as a coach? Where would you like to be the next uh, you know, 12 to 18 months with your, with your, with your brand or whatever, everything that you're doing? So... <clears throat> Solid question. That's a classic coaching question, right? Because yeah. um, it removes all obstacles and limiting beliefs. So my current plan, because I already think about this. <clears throat> so I, I have been doing one-on-one coaching, right? And I turned that, my, my coaching frameworks into a curriculum for a five-week live cohort-based course, right? I've run two cohorts of it. It's called Intentional Life Design. Getting ready to, whenever the fuck this airs, getting ready to, to do a third cohort. Um and then separate from that, I have like a self-paced coaching course because everybody kept asking me, how do I become a coach? So I was like, I'm tired of answering all these questions. Let me just throw everything I've learned of how to be a world-class coach into a single fucking course, right? Yeah. So that is the most recent thing. Like I didn't start by creating a course to coach, to teach coaches how to coach, right? Like that yeah. circle jerk, like this, this was like by demand, I did it. Yeah. So my next thing <clears throat> is so I, I love CBCs, right? I love cohort based courses. Yeah. Um, I run mine, honestly, like group coaching at, at a larger scale. Because mm-hmm. um, most CBCs are very just like info dump heavy, they just throw a bunch of information at you. In a few of those, yeah. yeah, mine is more group coaching in that we prioritize taking action over taking notes. Like that's one of the yeah. taglines they use for right because it, it's because oh, okay. you know, with coaching, 
if you're doing group coaching, uh, one of the, the primary ways of, of effective group coaching <clears throat> is you give a prompt or, or you, you teach a very brief concept and then you, you basically throw it back at people like, what are your thoughts on this? How can you apply this? And then you let them apply it to their own lives, right? Yeah. That's how I, I developed the curriculum for the CBC. It, it, it's very, it, it's, it's largely facilitation and not lecture. Yeah. And people get great results from it. And for me as a coach, that allows me to impact way more people versus one-on-one -on -one coaching. It's also just more effective for my time, right? Like yeah. I can spend two hours coaching, basically coaching 50 people, or I can spend the same two hours coaching one person at a time, right? Yeah. Um, the issue I have with CBCs is if you're not in the launch window, nobody can sign up. Right. And, and, and I've learned, I fucking hate launches. I hate everything about a launch. Like I just, I fucking hate all of it. Right. All the uncertainty, all the time commitment, yes. all the building, the yes. assets and the, the workflows I'm, shit. Well, yep. Yep. I, I, I fucking hate all of it. Right. So I'm doing it for this, for this third cohort of, of intentional life design. But my plan moving forward <clears throat> is to create a membership community. Yeah. And I know those, you know, more and more people are doing those for good reason. The, my main things are with my CBC, it's five weeks, right? Um, if I think of something that I think would be really cool for the CBC, I have to say, is this better than what I already have in it? Cause they have a finite amount of sessions and content I can put into everything. Right. Yeah. So for me to add something new means to take something else out. I can't really do extra workshops or have fireside chats or, or bring in kick-ass people like you to come talk to the community. I can't do that right now because it's five weeks, whatever. But with the community, I have way more leeway to do that, right? Yeah. So my plan long-term, one, I'm writing a book to turn the concepts of intentional life design into a book. Um, but then the community, I'm going to take what was the CBC, and, and th this is the plan, I'm going to take what was a CBC and make that the onboarding process for the community that is all around reaching your potential as a creator, solopreneur or entrepreneur, I guess, um, by building a, a, again, I hate the term, but it's the most appropriate one I can use by building a fulfilling life and business, right? Yeah. By basically clarifying your core value, overcoming, identifying and overcoming the obstacles that prevent you from building a life aligned with that value creating goals that progressively move you closer to it and just how do you achieve those, right? Like yeah. that's, that's port, like that's the CBC. That's what the book's going to be and the community that'll be the onboarding process. But then from there, it's like, here's everything else that will help you on that journey to reaching your potential, to building a more values aligned, fulfilling life and business, right? Workshops, trainings, fireside chats, other things yeah. that allows me to have this primary offering that everything else kind of feeds into. I can throw all of my time and effort primarily into building this and getting people to that, right? Um, people can join it 24 seven, 365 because it's an open membership community, right? Like you can apply, like you can join anytime, not just with this limited launch window. Yeah. Um, and that to me allows me to have the impact I want to have. Um, cause I, I'm very dedicated to helping creators reach your potential. And this is to me, the best path forward to do that. Cause now you have a network of other people, all this other shit. So magic wand slash my actual concrete plan over the next eight to 12 months. That's what it is. Love it. Love it. Uh, that, that community idea has been on my mind for so long as well. And I keep, I keep circling around it. Uh, I, I, I really, I, my, I want to help people at scale. I love coaching people one-on-one. -on -one. 
I love what it's done for my mentality. I love what it, I, I love the experience. The talking to I'm lucky enough to actually the, the, like, a, like some multi millionaire multi businesses doing seven figure clients uh, over the last sort of six months that I've been like so grateful to uh, I've had the t- chance to hang out with them essentially and help them. Um, but at the same time, that that, that community is just it, it's just I. I love helping people i love being on calls i love getting results from people and it's so weird we'll probably talk about this off 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 podcast but i i get so caught up in like that that you see the launch bullshit i just get so stuck in it um where it's easy for me to do the what one-on-one the book call of me marketing because there's no launch sequence there's no emails it's just as you say my one-on-one coaching program is just a constant it's available all the time it's on my website it's on my emails i i put it on my threads i talk about it on the timeline you know people sign up to book a call of me account it's just there 24 7 365 digital 24-hour shop if you land on my profile there it is but when it comes to launching a community there's that whole like, oh, I've got to do the emails. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to do, it's going to be a lot. Well, nobody, nobody shows up. Uh, is this the right thing I want to do? And it, it just, I am, yeah, man. I, I'm, I, I'm on the edge of it, and I keep, I keep not doing it, and then it's, it's funny. But I, I, I love where you're going with that, and I wish you all the success. And I, I know your, your uh, cohort has already been successful. I think you've had a bunch of people through there already. You've got a great uh, side program as well. So uh, I really hope that you, that community thing works for you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And one more thing to tack on this again, going back to, you know, don't do dumb shit, right? I'm a huge fan of if you want to be successful, do what successful people do, right? Because they figured out what works. Now, yes, you have to adapt it to your own situation. But I, you know, I look at like, again, going back to Dan, Dan, Dan Co, the shit he's doing with modern mastery, like, you know, his community. Great. All kinds of shit, right? Love it. Highly, you know, definitely check it out. Um, Jay Klaus, he has the the lab, the Creator Science Lab, yes, right? And that's his own membership community. Um, Paul Millard, who has a book called The Pathless Path, uh, which is basically his journey from being like a McKinsey level consultant and or McKinsey consultant doing all the corporate shit to like blazing his own trail and like creator economy type shit, right? Yeah. It's a book um, that a lot of people read and they're like, damn, Paul, like I wish you had a community of people who were also on this quote unquote pathless path, right? Like you, you, you abandon the default path and you go onto yeah. this path that doesn't really have a set set of rules. Right? So Paul created his own called find the others. So looking at like, well, how does Dan, you know, structure modern mastery? How does Jay structure the lab? How does Paul do find the others? Like what of what they're doing do would I love to do myself? Am I yeah. willing to do myself? that, you know, works with my own, you know, core value of freedom and the way I want to spend my time and is structured in a way that is as valuable as possible to the type of people I want to, to serve. Looking at how other people are already doing it has been super, super helpful to give me ideas of how I want to structure my own long-term. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, Dan Coe's Modern Masteries was a, was a a definitely a a thing for me. I'm in a number of other people's as well. Ship 30 was one that illuminated me to, with Nicholas Cole and, and Dickie Bush, which I thought was fantastic. They game, they gamified it in such a way that hooked me in. Or I, 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 I know you're, you've done David Perel's Rite of Passage. Uh, Rite of Passage. Rite of, of Passage, I think they're moving toward more of a pseudo membership model, but it's currently still mostly a CBC with some membership on some the side. Membership. They'll probably, honestly, it seems like they're moving toward that direction because I know Tiago 
of Tiago Forte of Building Second Brand, I know they've moved to more of a membership model where like, I think like within the membership, there are like cohorts every so often. So like you're in yeah. the membership and that gives you access to, I, I don't know fully how they've done it. Um, but more and more people are moving toward that. Yeah, yeah. No, either, I, I, either, yeah. either memberships or packaging it up as self-paced. Because I think Ali, Ali Abdal with with uh, Part Time YouTuber Academy, they're getting ready to do their final live cohort of PTYA, and then they're going to move, I think, toward like a self-paced version that then you can add on basically a year of like almost like a like community support mastermind sort of help as well. So I'm yeah. seeing a lot of people move away from the pure CBC model into other like membership slash self-paced mastermind I, groups. I, I love that, uh, that model. I love that. That's the thing. It's, it's again, it's, it's the, it's the uh, behavioral economics. It's the friction point that stopped me because I personally, if you put a gun to my head as somebody who came from knowledge assets in, in corporate, that's where my last, uh, last couple of years was teaching classes in corporate. Uh, and onboarding new people and taking them through like a, a, a learning journey. It's, it is literally that, a learning journey. The information dump. Um, the two week, come come learn how to be a great leader in four weeks. No, no, that, that, that's bullshit. You can't learn how to be a great leader in four weeks. You can get great information, but like the learning journey itself needs you to go out into the world, actually test the ideas and come back and get feedback. There needs to be a longer feedback loop for you to embed the information and i think that's one of the reasons why i've i've stuttered over that it's because i personally know i don't know if you've heard of the 10 20 70 model for learning no so 10 percent of your learning is classroom learning it's it's you know your traditional buy a course edx go to school university whatever that is that's your 10 percent. that's where you learn 20 percent of your learning comes from conversations group group coaching like this uh this even this podcast is, is, is kind of learning because we're both learning right now from each other uh, having conversations like in breakout rooms, uh, whatever that is, coaching conversations, uh, peer conversations about an idea, like meeting up with other entrepreneurs and having big conversations about things. That's where 20% of your learning comes from. 70% of your learning comes from fucking doing it, actually doing it, going out and doing the learning, uh, you know, building the engine yourself, getting your hands dirty, taking it apart, putting it back together. Like you, you don't build a, a Lego uh, by standing, looking at the box and then talking about it. The only way you build the Lego set is to open it up, read the instructions. You don't read the instructions and the thing gets built. Do you know what I mean? I, and I think we're watching all, YouTube video. Yeah. Watching, watching YouTube, YouTube videos, videos about building a business. Isn't the same as building a fucking building, business. Building a business yeah. <laughs> so it's a 10, 20, 70 model. So I, I know this instinctually and I believe it and I believe it in my own life and I've seen it. And I, when I launched something, a community i want to include the 10 20 70 model i want the whole the whole thing in there i i need it needs to be longer than than a couple of weeks uh it doesn't need to be a year probably doesn't need to be six months i think 90 days maybe 60 days whatever that is because for that person or the people within my program if i when i get around to launching it i want them to get the 10 percent from the worksheets and the and, and the data i want them to get the 20 percent from the calls and maybe peer peer um you know, being partnered with someone, but then I want the 70% feedback loop where they can go out into the world, do the work, and then come back to the 20% calls that we're on and actually get that feedback loop. So they're, they're you know, cause you said, I wrote it down, uh, taking action, not taking notes. And I was like, yes, yes, 
And, and I think that that's one of the things when you, I may be overthinking it, but this idea, I want, I, I, I want the whole picture. I want the holistic approach to this information dumping that I see in so many places. Like come join my two week, is it Maven? I don't, I'm not going to criticize them, but it's a great platform. It's a, it's not a CBC. It's most of their shit is much more like a, of a, a like a, a workshop. Workshop, yeah, yeah. Versus and, and, a CBC, yeah. I, I, and it's while great and beneficial, and, and if you've got one of those, and you're listening to this, good for you, and 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 all the support. But I think as somebody who's a coach and as somebody who sees the whole coaching journey and the learning journey, and and being open to that, I've been uh, very. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? It's it's my it's 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 my water. I'm not fish in that water. That's what I see. Uh, I'm very aware that that's what I want the whole journey to be. So it's 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 something that I maybe have overthought it, but it's also something that I know that's vital if I want something to work well for me. Well, so <clears throat> with 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 coaching specific, so specifically like coaches who are interested in a CBC or some sort of live course offering. Okay. I'll, I'll speak to that. Um, cause you're kind of on that cusp and I'm sure other listeners are, are probably well, curious. Yeah. One thing, and I talk about this in, in my own coaching course, but if you approach creating a live course as a coach versus an educator, you have a huge advantage because educators, cause like I, I used to teach college classes. I used to teach intro psychology and some other shit. I taught like 15 or 16 courses. I know how academia works. Traditional educators are all about info dumping and maybe occasionally they'll do like some little exercise. That's just bullshit, like busy work. Basically a coach on the other hand, assuming you're a good coach, you are really good at asking in like questions that help your client develop insight, right? Because why do people come to coaching? People come to coaching to develop clarity, strategy, and accountability. That's it. I'm unclear on how to move forward. I know how to, I I know what I want to do, but I don't know how to do it. So it's strategy. I know what to do and how to do it, but I'm not doing it. Accountability. Those are the three that I can think of. The only fucking three things anybody comes to coaching for. Okay. So your job primarily is how do I facilitate clarity, strategy, and accountability? That's your fucking role as a coach. Okay. Cause like, you know, like a coach versus a chiropractor, right? Like coaches, like you don't touch your clients. (laughs) So like everything you do is just, is just verbal. It's just talking and listening and asking the right questions, identifying patterns, making observations, right? That's what you do as a coach. So if you take that same coaching mentality to developing a curriculum, you can say, okay, how do like, where do I want the people in, in my, you know, my students, where do I want them to be by the end of the full course? And where do I want them to be at the end of every session? And then you reverse engineer it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So for example, the, 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 the formula, I, I, the soft formula I use has been super, super powerful for people in my own CBC. I, one, I do a two hour session. I do two, two hour sessions a week for five weeks. So 20 hours, 10 sessions, right? Um, that, that's a, a huge ask from people, right? Obviously there are recordings up so people can watch it and there's a community so they can interact asynchronously. But for the live portion, I say, okay, I want to leave plenty of time for Q and a so that everybody leaves every session with exactly what they need to move forward. Yeah. So I leave tons of room for Q and a. So the first hour that is like the quote unquote, like the core curriculum hour. Yeah. So I say, okay, <clears throat> I, this is where I want them to be by the end. So here's how I structure it. The first five to 10 minutes is me introducing a concept. 
So I'll introduce the four horsemen of fear, the most common limiting beliefs that hold people back. Here's what they are. Here's how they show up. Then I'll say, okay, here's a prompt of like, which horseman are you currently struggling with? What is your strategy to overcome it? Whatever. And I'll say, you have five minutes for a solo riding session. Yeah. So this, so I give you the prompt and I give you five minutes to collect your thoughts and really put them on paper. Okay. Then I send you to a 15 minute breakout room with two other people. So there are three of you total and you have either the same prompt or a similar prompt. That's basically like share your shit with other people. This allows you, cause some people are just more verbal processors. So it helps them to talk it out with other real people. It allows you, if you're struggling, you're getting feedback from two other people. They can ask you different questions. They can help you work through it and vice versa. If somebody in your group is struggling, you can offer your own support and insight. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you've, you've learned a concept, you've clarified your thinking individually, and then you further clarified it in a small group. That's at the half hour mark, right? 10, 10 of, of content, five of solo writing, 15 of a group. Then we come back and we do the same thing again on, on the second part of that concept for that day, right? Here's a concept for 10 minutes, five writing, five solo writing, 15 group. That's at the hour mark. So for an hour, I'm only really talking for like 20 minutes yeah. and it's mostly introducing some shit and then asking questions after that. It's like, all right, guys, that's today's session. You've developed a fuck ton of clarity. You have strategies. One, here's an exercise for you to work on between now and next session. So you're applying it. Mm -hmm. But at this point, Q&A, we have an hour plus of Q&A. What the fuck are you curious about? What are your questions? What do you need help with? What are yeah, you struggling with? Smart. What did you learn? That's it, man. So like, honestly, like, it's really weird for you as the instructor because you're like, fuck, I'm not doing a lot. Because like when they're doing these yeah. solo <laughs> sessions, you're just sitting there. When they're off in these fucking breakout groups, you're not doing anything. So it seems like nothing's happening. But man, every time when people come back, they're like, holy fuck, like, I wish we had more time. That was such a great conversation we were having. Yeah. That's what you want. You want people to want more, right, yeah. in a good way. But <laughs> for a two-hour session, I'm only prepping 20 minutes worth of shit. Yeah, the rest is them is them applying shit or asking questions that you know you, you can't really prep for Q and A, right? That's it. That yeah. allows me to maximize my job of my job is to facilitate that transformation, and that is my mindset as a coach. Educators are trying to info dump and force information down your fucking throat. I, as a coach, am trying to facilitate transformation. That's all the fuck my role is. Yeah, yeah, I. I... I love that breakdown. I, I love the way you, that, that is, it's, uh, anybody listening to this has just got a masterclass on how to run a coaching session. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I'm like, yeah, yes, yes. You're saying yes so many times, but I love that because you, you've literally touched the 10, 20, the 10, 20, 70 model all in one go because you've got the self writing, you've got the group writing, you've got the Q and A, you've got the information, all of it's being touched because that self writing part is the person on their own doing it themselves and that's where they get and then they go in and with their own information they go into the group and they have the paradigm shift and then someone will ask a Q&A later on and they might even get an even bigger paradigm shift because they, so they hear somebody else with a different perspective so that's a and then they point. have the exercise after the session that they actually apply something and have like a deliverable yeah, by the end of the yeah, next session and the yeah. so it's, it's, it's a great loop it's a great feedback loop it's very yeah I, I love that so yeah um, how much do I have to charge you for that information? <laughs> <laughs> but that's it, right, man? Like if you're trying to develop a live course, like honestly, cause like 
you know, tactical laziness kind of shit. Like I'm a lazy motherfucker. Like I'm trying to be as effective as possible. How can, again, how can I not even just minimize my workload, but how can I maximize their transformation while also minimizing the hap, the effort I need to put in? Cause honestly, man, like when it comes to life courses or any kind of course, most people make the mistake of saying, I have to teach everything that I know, period. Yeah, and it's the same thing with with coaching early on. People think I need to tell them everything I know. Yeah, they don't care. Yeah, they don't care about the hundred things you know. They care about the one thing you know that can help them. Can help them yeah. Forget ninety nine percent of the, like, dude. There's tons of shit I would like to teach people in the CBC, but it isn't relevant enough to warrant putting 100%, in. Hundred percent. I have the same thing. It's like I I will go back to the seven exercises that I talked about what I give all my clients a little short 10 minute exercises. So you can spend an hour with them or 30 minutes, but most people you can quickly get an idea for 10 minutes, but there are four exercises in there that seem to be the one that really stand out. Like, uh, I, but there's always one that there's, sorry, let me rephrase that. There's, there, there's four of them that I've noticed stand out, but everybody has one that stands out for them, whether that's open loops, whether it's finding their why, whether that's gap in the gain, uh, whether it's fear setting those are uh, i've got a couple of other in there but those are the ones that really stand out for people i've had people say like oh that one really made me feel like this is the one for me and it's usually it's usually the one of the highest percentage is open loops because people have too much going on um but it's 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 having those exercises in a way that then allows me i i, I have hundreds of exercises that i could give to give to my clients but if i know the client is dealing with this specific problem of open loops or of, of overwhelm all the exercises, all the book recommendations and all the stuff that we talk about, it's its about that problem. Having a cookie cutter uh, information dump, oh, I'm gonna take you through 10 exercises as part of my 10 week program, it's bullshit because it's five of those exercises might not even be relevant to that person's current situation and you end up like teaching them stuff that's just a waste of fucking time. And I'm not about wasting people's time, I'm about solving people's problems and getting people results. So even though I have 20 or 30 exercises built in my bucket of coaching, there's sometimes I only even get the five of them with, with a client because we're focused on one major issue that is the major issue, which is the big domino for their life. And then we just keep circling around that until we get clarity. They get the result they want. They pay me their money and then off they go to a happier life. And everybody's, everybody's happy. I'm happy. They're happy. It's, it's, it's a beautiful story. Well, and <clears throat> with... It is scary going from one-on-one to like a course model, like a live course, because you're right. Like by developing a curriculum, you kind of solidify what you're going to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and obviously the Q and a gives you a lot of leeway. Like that gives me a fuck ton of leeway because sometimes somebody will ask me something. I'll be like, Oh, I was going to put that in, but I didn't. Here's the answer. Right. And if that same question comes up multiple times, well then maybe I need to put that into the core curriculum. Right, like yeah. th- it's always you know an evolution. You always but, have you always have the stuff in the back pocket. Like I always exactly. Bring stuff in. So it's you, you, you've got that. You've got your you've got your your set stuff that you're going to give people. But then you have your magic trick. You have your your your, box, your toolbox. You have your your bag of magic where you can be like oh, exactly I have this. I have this. that that fluidity. You're, yeah, you're adaptable because it's not like you're like oh ne- next page next slide is it the further Bueller's Day Off where it's like in the classroom <laughs> next slide exactly you this know, is what we're talking about today yeah the, yeah so. But, but cause again, like specifically to you and then anybody curious, like if you're trying to develop this into a curriculum, <clears throat> what I did, I looked at, I said, okay, one, I, the, 
the framework I use with one-on-one -on -one clients initially is like a five-step framework. Yeah. So we start off by clarifying your core value, and then I go through what's called the gold model, right? Which is goals, obstacles, leverage, and, and direction, right? So yeah. what are goals that act as stepping stones that progressively get you closer to this life aligned with your core value, whatever that is? Cool. What obstacles could get in your way or have historically gotten in your way? Cool. Now we know where you want to go, why you want to go there, and what can get in your way. Well, what leverage, what strengths and resources can you tap into to leverage to overcome those obstacles, yeah. right? And then direction is just like, how do we develop a plan that keeps you on track and adaptable, right? That's all it is. It's, it's very simple, right? Yeah. Nothing fucking rocket science. So, how's it go? Five-step framework, five-week CBC. Each week is a theme related to my one-on-one -on -one framework. But I sat there and I said, okay, what are the exercises that get the most people the best results yes. and that people love? Yeah. Let me start by making like, that's like the wire framework of like, well, let me plug those in and see if this fills out the curriculum, but also let me see if they all go together. And logically, these are the missing pieces that these people need to achieve that outcome, yeah. right? Because creating a course is like building a bridge, right? This is where the person comes in at. This is where they ultimately want to go. Your course gets them there sequentially. Yeah. That's, that's it, right? And that's what I did. Is like, does, is this relevant? Does this actually get them closer to? Because what you'll find, man, you've probably settled on, like, these are the people I'm most effective at helping. These are the things that are most effective at helping those people. Yeah. You probably already have a solid, like, first draft of a curriculum as is. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. I agree with that. I do. I do. I do. I, it's, a, it's my free course, my little performance course. It's sitting there ready to be used. But yeah, no, I love it. I love it. No, it's great. A fantastic conversation. I, 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 you and I could probably sit and talk for hours about this. Uh, some of the listeners are like, yeah, okay, cool. That was fun. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> what's next? But yeah, to get what's next, I'm going to, you know, because we've been talking for nearly an hour, I think, or, or so. So let's, let's, I got to ask sort of like three questions just to sort of like, wrap up the podcast and they're not like quick fire but we can take time over them but uh the first one i'm gonna ask is you know what do you think is currently slowing you down or standing in your way from you getting to your to your next success you know you talked about where you want to go your, your new cohort you, you've dropped some fantastic wisdom on how to produce a um a cbc with that said What's, what's, what's standing in your way? What, what's, what's that big barrier currently in your performance origins? Yeah, so I mean, probably just top of funnel, right? Which is like the age old obstacle yeah. for people, right? Um, I, and let me preface this, this is not a, a, a call for anybody to DM me about growing my account or what the fuck ever, <laughs> right? Like, let me preface with that. Don't do that. I get plenty of that shit and I never respond, okay? Yeah, I, I don't think those people are listening to this podcast. <laughs> okay, so. cool, cool. Because I'm mostly active on Twitter and it's everywhere on Twitter. Yeah. But I haven't cracked the code, quote unquote, on on growth, right? Like all my accounts are fucking small. It is what it is, right? Yeah. Um, I think I'm, I'm still under 5K on Twitter. I, I'm trying to get back into the YouTube thing. I've got like 180 subscribers there. Uh, around 1300 newsletter subscribers, that kind of thing. Um, so that is, is a priority of, cause that's just, that, that's math, right? Like as long as you're, yeah. you're getting, you're building a value, like a, 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 an intentional audience of people who are high caliber and you're providing yeah. them value over time, the math works out. Like there's just, there are conversions to sales of yes. something, right? Um, 
that is, is, is my primary focus is how do I increase top of funnel, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm going to work on, I'm less concerned with, with social media. I, I want to grow those, but algorithm changes are a bitch sometimes. I am most interested in growing my newsletter specifically. So yes. all of like my, my call to action on all my content is just to subscribe to my newsletter. That way you're getting long form content, you're getting good content, that kind of thing. We have a better yeah. dialogue. You can re respond, it's way better. Um, but the other thing I'm doing, getting into is YouTube, right? Um, I love writing, I hate making videos. Just the whole process, right? Like fucking with cameras and lighting and mics and editing and yeah. uploading all this yeah. shit. Fucking hate it. But, you know, if, if I send out a tweet within 24 hours, you're never going to see it again. If I upload something to LinkedIn, it may last a week. Yeah. But with YouTube, YouTube will literally never put your video in front of people 10 years later. Yeah. Right? Like every day. Like not even including like, yeah, not even including like AdSense and shit. Like just straight up the algorithm actively works for you. No other social media platform does that. So when I'm looking at, because, you know, like I've spent like hours on a fucking Twitter thread that went nowhere, like three likes. Yeah. I'm like, my time isn't, isn't spent here, like isn't best spent here. With YouTube, even though it'll be slow growth at first, that is the, the most effective use of my time when it comes to creating content. Now, I'm kind of taking a similar approach to the way like Dan Coe, I know I keep shouting out Dan, is just Dan knows what the fuck he's doing more so than, you know, he's further along on his journey than I am. And I just, you know, I want to be like Dan when I grow up. But See Justin him. Welsh is also, <laughs> Justin Welsh is also, even though like I'm older than Dan, I want to be like Dan when I grow no, up. I want to be tall and blonde and handsome and, and smart and everything. Right. Um, and Justin Welsh, like some of the other people, like they've kind of figured out this like hub and spoke model. So for me, yeah. I start by creating long form newsletter issues. Same. They're on my, my website as standalone articles. And by creating long form content, one, obviously you can clip it out to like tweets and shit, yeah. but that is, that is a soft script that you can talk through for YouTube. Yeah. So even though I, I, even when I'm writing, I'm basically creating a script, a soft script to just turn on the fucking camera and talk around it. Right. So that's why like I, I, my main focus is creating the long form content, getting people in my newsletter, but then taking that content and putting on YouTube so that YouTube is trying to find an audience for my shit. I that is my that. biggest hindrance is that we top are, of funnel. We're we in the same place. I, I, <laughs> I, um, all my, all my podcast episodes are, I use my newsletter, my email, it goes out. And again, I'm struggling with that. I've got about 2000 subscribers. I don't really focus on that. I'm trying to like lean more to grow that because I, I feel, feel like after being on Twitter for two years, I should probably have five to 10,000 uh, on an email list. And I'm really starting to switch over to that uh, as my main fo focus. But because of Dan Coe, because of his process, uh, when he started on, on YouTube, I mean, Justin Welsh is, is, is spoke idea as well as flywheel. If we go back to, um, is it Jim Collins, Good to Great? He talks about the flywheel. I think it's that book. Uh, or is it Stephen Covey? Sorry, too many. Uh, general productivity dude in a book <laughs> once came up with a concept. And uh, I write my newsletter, which goes out to my email list. And that eventually turns into a script that I have on the screen that allows me to talk for 10, 20 minutes for my podcast. 
and I put those podcasts, I've recently started putting those podcasts on YouTube and I've got about 2,000 subscribers on YouTube because I used to do like product reviews. But my YouTube has now got like green green lights again. It's like it's starting to grow because those podcast episodes are now there for years. And, and the, the thing about podcasts is when somebody finds a podcast, they're more likely to actually listen to five, six, seven, eight episodes quite quickly on two speed. Uh, even with the people, die, even when they find your t YouTube channel, they'll do the same thing. They'll watch a whole bunch of your videos because like, oh, I like this guy. I'm going to watch a bunch more where you don't really get that on Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or, or maybe TikTok you do a little bit on Reels. People start watching all your videos going through that. Um, but I 100% agree and I, I, I do the same thing. But I know that every single podcast episode that I release, eventually I will retitle that and I will do a video. So I will use the same script but YouTube isn't going to catch me because I'm going to have a different title and it's not going to be a podcast episode. It's going to be me talking live and I eventually will get back onto YouTube and every single podcast episode, every single newsletter that I have will become the script for a long form podcast. And we're in the same place, 100%. Uh, I, I grew and I'm going to be very brutally honest with myself. I've got 68,000 followers on Twitter. I grew a lot of that off bullshit platitude threads you know 10 10x to productivity by 10 o'clock in the morning to make your 10x better by 10x 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 so <laughs> i i i i got the sixty thousand followers last june june 2022 we're, we're in march 2023 i've only put on eight thousand followers in the last uh year nearly because i i do not tweet like that at all anymore because that is just not my my clients are not reading those types of threads they're not well i th i think that's a really painful thing that a lot of people have realized too is like because you know early on i i did some of the twitter growth things i took some of the courses on it and i also realized that <clears throat> the the type of people i was attracting were not the type of people i wanted to attract yeah so when i change and you know it, you know we, we both know how that works and you know people who are prominent in in, in that niche yeah. but um i i learned that like man a lot of the people that are, are coming to me and following me like i, I don't want to be associated with you and i don't want you in, in my tribe right you're not in my tribe i don't want you, i don't if this is the signal i'm putting out that's attracting people like you my signal's fucked up yeah. right so when i switched how i talked all those people unfollowed me and left i was like cool this is this is the right signal now, right? And it, it, it's really I me, man. Like I know people two, three hundred thousand followers across socials, making nothing. The only thing they can do is either make a Twitter growth guide, or they can get people to sponsor their content because yeah. otherwise they can't monetize their audience. So there's there's just because the audience they created isn't engaged, doesn't care about their products or something else, and that's. A really hard thing to, to navigate around once you realize that but yeah like that's my thing like I have a super small audience like it, it's I mean algorithms change all the time which again is why I like the newsletter because there's no algorithm there as long as you can make it through spam and create a title that people actually want to fucking click on you you got them yeah right yeah so but it's you're well, it's, it's rough you've, you've got you've got a very um, in my opinion you've got a very committed following um, you're you've gone up it's taking me a little bit longer to come around to the hundred fans or a thousand fans. I knew about the concept, but now I'm really focused on that. And that's where I releasing my free stuff and 
not just doing a free PDF. Hey, I'll DM you this and I'll send you a, a, an old Twitter thread that I made into a Notion doc. Like, come on, there's too much of that going on. I, I legitimately did this a three hour long video course and went here, here's, here's actual fucking content that will change your life if you go through it. Um, and it would if you did it. So I, that's what I believe in. And I'm trying to build that tribe, that, that thousand followers or the thousand fans or a hundred fans, whatever it is, because that, that's all you need. You, like you, this idea, like, you know, why, why do these old rock bands from the eighties still tour? Because they make a fucking killing when they do, because they have a thousand, they have 10,000 fans in every major city that has a million people just to fill up these small locations. And they make an absolute killing. It's, 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 it's you don't need to have, you don't need to have 300,000 followers on Twitter to make a very healthy six figure business. You do not need that. And, and, um, yeah. So with that, that said, I'll let you, I'll let you jump in. Just, just tackle one more thing real quick. Um, a lot of people think they're building a brand when they're, they're focusing on branding. Branding mm. is the aesthetics. Yeah. Oh, you got to get your Twitter header right. Oh, you got to get your fucking, your, your hex code for, for your primary color on your website. What font do you use? Like, what's the container with for Don't your text boxes? <laughs> <clears throat> but that's what people, when people talk about, oh, I'm building a brand, they mean branding. Yeah. What your brand, especially like personal brand, your personal brand is your reputation. So yeah. the next time you think about like, oh, I'm trying to build my brand, don't use brand, use the word reputation and yeah. then see how that changes how you approach shit, right? Because that's how okay. I think about it now. If I'm going to tweet something, I'm like, is this going to help or harm my reputation and the person I want to be known as? That's mm. changed everything for me, man. So now it's like, yeah, my course, you know, the production quality is shitty or, you know, my Twitter banner isn't quote unquote optimized or whatever. Like, but does this speak to the reputation I'm trying to build? Is, is the content valuable? Are the ideas valuable? Am I showing up genuinely and with intention? If so, the branding elements, I can change that later. Yeah, 100%. I think that, that, that there is too much emphasis on this optimization where if you actually just show up and be a, 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 and I hate the term provide value, but what I mean provide value is authentically help people within the area of interest that you have and you're doing it in a way that you actually get results and it's not bullshit and it's not fabricated uh, discord. Like, look at that. Look at all the results I got. You know, you know, look at this DM I got. It really, uh, you look at this Stripe clip. You know, there's too much of that bullshit going on. It's one of the reasons why I actually do um, video interviews with my clients because can't fucking fake video interviews. Um, mm -hmm. I, yeah, no, it's, it, and I think that is, it's, it is literally provide value but know what that value is because provide value again is a dumb shit term but it's like well what are you authentically trying to help people do what are you actually trying to shift in your own life and in the lives of the people you're trying to help and then do that daily and, and again you've mentioned about what i do daily because it's one of my core beliefs is do less dumb shit and life is easier it's almost like uh that uh, you know um i heard tim uh, tim ferris said once and i can't remember the guy who's quoted it, is it's like um hard hard choices easy life easy choices hard life i look at it is the more dumb shit you do the more shit you'll be in so the less dumb shit you be you do the easier life is the less shit you're in so it's 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 it's, it's a similar kind of concept but different but uh yeah anyway i just wanted to, to jump in on that and, and explain that and i think that's where a lot of people get twitter wrong I, I'm no genius on it, but I, I make a living from Twitter and I definitely don't go after the platitudes or the, or the numbers anymore. And I, and I, 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 I don't want to say I'm making more money than people because I don't compare myself, but I make a, a healthy enough living to live a life where I don't have to go to a corporate job. So well, let's leave it there. 
um, pay the bills, keep the keep the the food coming in, and the, and the Netflix account going. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. But anyway, so I'll wrap up the podcast with a couple more questions here. These ones are a little bit shorter, but you know, it, it, this one I always like to ask: What is a contrarian view that you have from your own industry or or self performance itself? Where do you push back against the norm? Yeah. So not that I'm necessarily like in the, the quote unquote productivity space. Um, and I never claim to be a productivity guru because, you know, my, my, my life is very unproductive by traditional measures. <laughs> I would agree with mine. <laughs> but one thing I, I think just, just offhand, cause I didn't prepare an answer. Um, a lot of people, I, 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 other than the brand branding thing and how like your brain is your reputation. Yeah. Um, a lot of people get fucked up. There is a difference between being effective and being efficient. Most people are so caught up in trying to be efficient that they forget how to be effective. All these yes. fucking shit of like, here's my morning routine. Here's <laughs> 10 things to 10 X your fucking yeah. whatever. Here's how I use chat GPT to come up with 15 viral Twitter threads yeah. Buy my workshop. So you can get the prompts like not yeah. that I'm trying to throw shade, but that kind of thing, right? Yeah. Some people are genuine. Most of the time it's a fucking grift or at, at best you get mediocre results. Yeah. People are so caught up. We're like, I've read, you know, 70 books this year. Cool. Did you fucking do anything, anything with that them. knowledge? Yeah. Right. I am not looking at <clears throat> how can I do 99 things in a day or hundred things in a day. I'm saying, how can I gain the clarity to figure to identify the three things that fucking matter and do those three things and accept that I'll never do the other 97. Yeah. Right. Which things move the needle the furthest, which things actually progressively move me closer to a life aligned with my core value, help me reach my potential, build a fulfilling life and business, achieve self-actualization, whatever the fuck term you want to put to yep. that ideal version of who you can be and the life you are capable of achieving, whatever the fuck term you want to put to that. What is the shortest effective path to that? No hacks, no secrets, no shortcuts, because all of those are all fucking bullshit. Um, because any hack that works isn't actually a hack. It's a fundamental you just repackaged. Yes. Like you're not a computer programmer. Quit using the fucking term hack. Like yeah. it like I have an article that is called how to hack your brain for peak performance. I gag every time I fucking read that title because I hate that title. But everybody who read it was like, keep that title. Don't change it. I yeah. fucking hate it, but it's one of my most popular articles. It is what it is, but I fucking hate the term. Yeah. Okay. Hacks are hacks. Hack yeah. And, and even that article is like basic operant conditioning from, 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 behavioral psychology. So it's just fundamentals. I just call it a hack, right? Yeah. But hacks aren't the fuck hacks, fuck hacks, secret shortcuts, all that. <laughs> be effective. Fuck being efficient. You're not a machine. You don't yeah. need to be a machine. You need to figure out what life do I want to live that I am capable of achieving and how do I do that effectively on a day-to-day -day basis, right? So you and I talked a little bit, I can't remember on or off air, but like, like with working out and shit, right? Yeah. You can try to find the most efficient bodybuilding hypertrophy fucking exercise and 10 of these and 12 of those and this machine. Or you can say, what are the most effective exercises that I can knock out in, in, in 30 minutes, yeah. three times a week? Yes. If I have more time, I can do more, but what are the most effective ones? Mm -hmm. 
That's it. Like, don't be efficient, be effective. That yeah. is what most people fuck up. Yeah, that's my favorite uh, Peter Drucker quote is uh, there's nothing, uh, what's it? Uh, oh my God, I've totally forgotten it. But it's, it's, it's uh, there's nothing uh, worse than doing something that never needed to be done. Uh, uh, in the first place or something along those lines it's like it's it's uh uh efficiency efficiency is is doing something uh right and effectiveness is doing the right thing those are two peter drucker quotes i've just pulled out of my ass uh, that that are that are great uh but yeah no i love that it's like and also josh waken's book uh the art of learning talks about that a little bit where he was talking about you know when he's learning a skill he's like well what is the core fundamental uh, part of the skill set. What's the core fundamental? If I if I learned the basics, what what's the what's the actual, you know, the core center that allows you then to spread out and do all the other things? Because I think a lot of times when it comes to productivity, and, and again, I don't like being lumped lumped in with the productivity or optimization dudes. You know, the the dudes who are in their twenties and single, living on their own, who talk about optimization. I'm like, you don't stop it. Stop it. It's like life or how to get six pack abs. I'm like, yeah, you were yeah, born you're, looking you're, like that. Shut the fuck you're up. 23 year old. You should have six pack abs. <laughs> like for fuck's sake. Uh, so it's, it's like that, 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 that that's though. I, I don't love though that, that whole like product, product uh, that, that kind of optimization bullshit. Um, for that, for the reasons that you're saying it's, 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 there's so many confusing areas that people get stuck on the hacks and the shortcuts and the bullshit, but they don't actually look at the fundamentals. The, the why, their purpose, their their fears, that, that that's the fundamentals of productivity and performance. If you want to perform better, go and sort out your engine. Far too many people take their car that's broken to the car wash and then they go and get it all looking clean. Still can't get, they can't get it out of the car wash. It's like, you gotta go to the mechanic and the productivity hacks for me is the car wash, the the Buzzfeed accounts, the Twitter threads, the bullshit, that's, that's the car wash, baby. I'm a mechanic that works at the garage. Come see me. This is where I'm, I'm yep. going to go and get my hands dirty. I'm going to, I've got my overalls all. We're getting dirty, baby. Um, and and that, that, that's, that, that's, that's where I agree with everything you said. Well, you if you think about like, <clears throat> and I'm a big fan of like figuring out what is the underlying issue? What is the underlying thing you're trying to figure out, right? Yeah. With productivity, the whole productivity space, the underlying thing is how can I be, how can I make the most of my time? Yeah. Fundamentally. Well, the way you make the most of your time is you, you identify your actual fucking priorities and you focus on hitting those priorities, AKA you focus on being effective, yeah. not efficient. You're not trying to do a hundred things quickly. You're trying to do the three that fucking matter, yep. period. Leverage, baby. I'm saying the word baby too much. I don't know where that's come from in my lexicon <laughs> over the last five minutes. It just popped into my head. Okay, that's awesome. Absolutely brilliant. I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. The final question, which is a very quick fire question, and I think I know the answer already, but I'm going to ask it anyway. If you had the opportunity to make everybody in the world wear a graphic T-shirt for one day, a printed T for one day with a message on it, what would that T-shirt say? One of two things, either memento mori, yeah, obviously. obviously, or, or, or in English, you're going to fucking die right. one day. You're going to fucking die. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's I want it. that t-shirt. You're going to fucking, I'm going to fucking die. Uh, I love it. Absolutely brilliant, Corey. It's been an absolute pleasure. I love talking to you, my man. It's, it's not the first time I've had a conversation, but this one's recorded and as, as the 45th episode of the SPS podcast, the self-performance strategies podcast. But yeah, to wrap up, 
tell tell everybody who's listening to this, the who all the beautiful people who have hung on this long to to uh, the end of the podcast. Tell them where they can find you, where you're at, where's the way the best way to get in contact with you. Dude, thank you so much. I'm down to come on anytime again. Um, Corey Wilkes, PsyD.com. If you just Google Corey Wilkes, PsyD, C-O-R-E-Y-W-I-L-K-S. Um, my doctorate is a PsyD. It's a doctor of clinical psychology. So just Corey Wilkes, PsyD. I'm on Twitter.com. You can find all my shit there. Corey Wilkes, PsyD. Yeah, I'll put all your stuff in the show notes. Corey, absolute pleasure. Is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't? Nope, that'll have to be for the next episode. Love the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> love it, man. Love it, man. Thank you very much. We'll talk soon. Make it a good one. Thanks, man. Take it easy. That was the 45th episode of the SPS podcast. If you want to check out all of Corey's links, they're in the description below. But also, if you want to hit me up on my socials, that's at Steve Timmy on Twitter. That's at S-T-E-V-E-T-I-M-O-N-E-Y on Twitter. Or you can slide on over to the main website see my pro accelerator program all the other podcast episodes and my newsletter posts and you go over to stephentimony.com to see all that and that's s-t-e-p-h-e-n-t-i-m-o-n-e-y.com i really hope you enjoyed this performance origins deep dive and we will see you in the next episode make it a good one